What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This Sunday morning is the third installment of the series, Who is this Jesus? Who is he? Now, I suspect that most of us here, uh, we were probably raised in the church. We may have experienced confirmation in, in our youth. We have uh, been involved in the life of the church. We've been involved in Sunday school. And you might say, well, why are we talking about who Jesus is? I already learned that. Well, I think it would be good for us to just essentially highlight some of the big swipes and themes that the Bible has to say that really crystallizes who Jesus really is. And let the scriptures articulate that and and not Hollywood, not the media. But what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, you know, we looked two weeks ago, we looked at what was his mission? What was he about? What was the intention of God in sending his son? And it's simple. Uh, His mission was essentially to connect us with God. That's the reason that we would learn of the love of a gracious God. And Jesus realized that the universal hunger that we all share is that need to be connected with the living God. To have that kind of vibrant relationship that we are, we're not just uh, stuff that has not been created with intentionality, but that God also wants to connect with us. And so one of the symbols that Jesus uses in connecting us with God was bread. Remember? There's physical bread, but we are not just physical people. We are spiritual people. We are emotional people. In fact, some have said uh, we're we're more spiritual than we are physical because our bodies, they just give out. But the spirit lives on. So really, we are spiritual beings having human experiences. And so Jesus talked about bread And he said, I am the bread of life. He went on to say, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That was a wonderful Sunday because as we we embrace that story of Jesus being the bread of life, we, we share in communion together. So his mission was, I want you to connect with God. And then we move from uh, the mission to, well, what was the message then? He had a mission. He wants us to connect. What did Jesus say over and over again that reflected that mission that he was about? And his message essentially was this. Hey, you all, you matter to God. One story after the other in the New Testament, you find Jesus is connecting with people who others rejected, who others didn't want anything to do with. All people 
matter to this God. And Jesus has this mission to connect us. And we need to know that we all matter. Now, this idea of God's presence and coming kingdom is central to how much we matter to God. He talked continuously about the at-handness of the kingdom of God. And when Jesus, over a hundred times, he talked about the kingdom of God is at hand, or he would say the kingdom of heaven at hand. And essentially what he was saying, it means that we can look with hope because God is present, because God has a mission to connect with us. We can look with hope beyond life's present situations or limitations. We go through situations where we're like, oh my goodness, what, how am I going to get out of this? How, how can we get through this rough situation? It's our hope in that. But also, we are also limited individuals. How, how, can, how can I move on with how frail I am? But because we matter to God and the kingdom is present, we can move forward. So there's the mission there is the message. So, what was his method? What was the method that we find that permeates throughout the Bible, the method that Jesus used so that we may connect with God and affirm that this message that we matter to God? And the message or the method of Jesus was the cross. That was the method. An unusual method, isn't it? An unusual method, if you realize that the intention was that we may connect with God, to realize that we matter to God, and then you bring a cross into it. Now, obviously, this is not Good Friday of Easter week. But the subject matter and the theme of that, I think, is, is relevant to us today to maybe revisit that for a moment. Because have you ever wondered why Jesus had to die? It's a good Sunday school discussion topic. Why do you think he would die? Why was that necessary? Why couldn't God just do it another way? God who is all powerful and omnipotent. And here's kind of the classic definition of why the cross was so vital and so important. And it's because there is also a reality, and that is there is evil. People do rough things to each other. My wife's father was assassinated. People can rob. People can steal. Evil is in the world. It is the world that God created and God loved, but you still have this dynamic of evil. And here we are and here is God and wanting to connect and build that gap, that bridge to a holy God. So how do you get rid of evil? That's, if we can agree, there's something happening that makes people not be loving that made people crucify Jesus. How do you get rid of that? 
me pose some questions to that. Um, do police get rid of evil? Do armies get rid of evil? Do jails throwing someone in jail, does that get rid of evil? Does a death sentence, does that get rid of evil? No. You can lock it up, but you can't really get rid of it. And so on that day, on that day on the cross, theologically and realistically, evil took a detour. It was absorbed. It was absorbed in the body of Jesus like a sponge. What was his words? Oh, Father, forgive him. Forgive him. They don't really know what they're doing. And when someone does an evil to you, I don't think they really knew what they were doing. Probably some surface stuff that made them act in a crazy way. But that cross was God's method to deal with evil. That's why there is so enormous power in the cross and the symbol of the cross and what that means. What's the, the most popular famous verse in the Bible? For God so loved the world, right? That means all people matter to God. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. The cross. Okay. The cross. So the methodology of Jesus in dealing with the mission and the message was the cross, but it was also something else. It was also the resurrection. That's also in the quiver of what God is able to do to the human condition. And it was his method. Okay? I go to the cross, but guess what? You're not going to have the last word. Because the tomb was empty. And so this, the resurrection of Jesus, it is a guarantee. It essentially is God's guarantee that the values of life, the values of life, not evil, but the values of life worth preserving will be preserved. And those values cannot be perversely destroyed as they were when they pounded nails in his hands and feet and jammed a spear in his side. It is also saying that life, not death, but life has the last word over death. That's why when we gather here and have a memorial service or wherever services, we are celebrating that life, that life that is ours 
Because he lives. We live. And in the standpoint of evil, love is the victor over hate. It always is. It's the victor. And good has an opportunity to live in place of evil. So now, um, what's next? What about us today? Well, we have this method of Jesus on the cross. There's the empty tomb, his resurrection. What then is the model of Jesus? Think of what did he model and how did he use that modeling as a challenge for the faithful church of Jesus Christ? <laughs> the model of Jesus was serving. Was serving. He served others. The most vivid demonstration was what Eddie read so well this morning on Jesus serving and setting the example by washing the feet of others. He even washed the feet of someone he knew was going to betray him. Figure that out. And uh, yeah. foot washing, though, we, we, we're going to say, washing people's feet, smelly feet. But let, let's go, let's contextualize this a little bit. Uh, roads in Palestine, they were not like what we have on Capitol Drive. They were dirt roads. When it's dry, you have inches of dust. When it's wet, you have mud. And obviously, the, the shoes that were worn were sandals. So you can kind of get the picture of what it's like to, to go to someone's house and, and visit them. It was not uncommon that there would be water pots at the door. There would be a towel and, 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 and a basin. And a servant would wash the feet. of people would come in the house. They were dirty. Dirty. And Jesus, is, the crowd that he was with here, they, they didn't travel with servants but it must have rained really hard that day I suspect or it was just a lot of dust but apparently they were really dirty and uh, so you know the story Jesus kind of blows them away here is the king of kings the lord of lords and he's probably on his knees washing the dirty feet of carnal people, some who would even betray him. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, if, if we are going to follow Jesus and, and, be, and, and honor the text and be about what Jesus said be about, not what someone else tells us to get involved in, what did Jesus then say to do? And, and he's calling on us. Here's what he said. Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. 
Now, there are some, it's, it's interesting how that truth in the scripture, how that has affected the, the lives of some Christian communities. There's, there, there, there's, there's some Christian fellowships, and, and rightly so, you could make a case. They have made foot washing a sacrament. That's a holy thing. And it's not uncommon. They have communion to wash each other's feet. It's, it's really kind of a beautiful thing if you think about it. He's counting on us. He has called us to be the church in the world. And he's counting on you. Because to wash feet is a symbol of service. Now, we have a service team, and they, they do a great job in helping us to be able to serve. And you know, I wish we didn't need a service team. I wish it was just so much in our DNA. We were all just battling to do service, to, to do things for the glory and the honor of God. Had a wonderful conversation. Mary Beth, Miranda. Ah, here it goes. I have her permission. Mary Beth, she's retiring in July out of the medical field. And she said, Pastor Lonnie, I want to sit down because I want to know how I can get more involved. Things that I can do for God in this new venture in my life. So for those of you who are looking at retiring or, or you already have, you know, I, I, look at her example. What does the church need? How can I honor God with this, this rearrangement of my schedule? I'm looking forward to us. We're getting together first week of July. See what God has for Mary Beth. It's remarkable. Now, I want you to think about the dynamic here. And getting to know who is this Jesus, his, uh, his mission... His message, his method, his model, it all goes back to what are you going to do about it? Think about this. Today, right now, today, the world never, never sees Jesus unless they see Jesus incarnate in your life. You know, theologically, we talk about the incarnation of God in Christ. We, we read those scriptures around Christmas that God was in Christ. Friends, there's also another incarnation. And it's God in you. It's how you are going to let others see Jesus because they're not going to see Jesus on a billboard or driving by a building. They won't. So what do they see? What do they see? When suddenly somebody becomes aware that here beside them is something of Christ. And they see Christ once again. That's, 
That's how we get to know who is this Jesus. By realizing, you know, you don't hire a pastor. You know, pastors aren't hired, they're called. Well, that's the person to do it. No. We all, I like what Martin Luther would say. He said, we are all like little Christ in the world, like little crosses as we go out. We're, we're in the world. We are, um, and, I, and I like how Paul expresses it. He, he says, we're essentially resident aliens. Our citizenship is not here. We are ambassadors for another land. And when you think of that, yeah, my life, I, I'm a spiritual person. My physical stuff, this is, you know, it's, it's going to fall out and turn gray and everything else. But this soul, that's what I'm an ambassador for. So, it's counting on you. I was, I was raised in a glorious Presbyterian church. Mom was a Sunday school teacher. Dad was an elder. Went to confirmation class, and I hated it. I fought it. My parents said, we're going to church. Oh, why? I, you know, I understand rebellious children, especially when they become teenagers. I, I understand parents, fathers. It's important that you instill that value in your kids. Teach them athletic, do all, but... But for them to see in the home its value, it's remarkable. And, you know, and then I, after I was confirmed, it was my decision, and I didn't want anything to do with church. I was not anti-God. I just had other things to do. So I understand when people have other things to do. But you know what? And I just really captured this recently in my reflections of my Christian journey. A critical thing that brought me back to church, and I'm going to just use the language because I was, I was a teenager then, a young teenager, was an old woman with hair grayer than mine. Her name was Pat Moore. And this was a little Presbyterian church, but they wanted a youth group. They knew they needed a youth group. And we had moved away from the city. We were in the suburban kind of a thing and away from that church. And my parents weren't, weren't going to go drive back there. And, and she said, well, she drove. I remember her driving to my house, coming in the driveway, honking the horn. And she, this old lady, drove me to a youth group on Sunday nights. She wasn't a young with a chick or young with youth pastor. She was the incarnation of Jesus who realized, well, we're just going to make this thing work. And I'd ride with her to church, to youth group, and she would lead it. Usually a discussion question. I remember, I don't remember anything in my Sunday school. I don't remember anything in my confirmation, but I remember this discussion question that girl. Pat presented, she asked our class, our, our youth group, and maybe you've heard this, if you were charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Isn't that a great question? Is there the evidence to convict you? 
And so, you know, I, I, I forgot about Pat Moore until recently. And I realized, golly gee, for well over a year, every Sunday night, she would pick me up and she would lead the youth group in our little group. And we had our youth meeting at 6 o'clock. So don't think you can't do anything. Because it's the incarnational work of the Holy Spirit. I want to conclude with a remarkable story of, from all people, Einstein. Albert Einstein, late in his life, he removed two portraits from his wall and replaced them with two other individuals. He, he had the portrait of Isaac Newton and James Clark Maxwell on his wall. So, so later in life, he, he had them removed, and in their place, he put a portrait of Albert Schweitzer and Gandhi. He's a scientist. What are they doing in your office? His response was, he said, it's time to replace the image of success with the image of service. Pretty strong statement from Einstein, isn't it? We need to instill that in our kids as well. It's not about your success, not how your batting record is, but have heroes of service. That's what Jesus is getting at. Well, as we make ourselves available for his service and allow his spirit to shape us into a sharper image of the creator, then we become the persons that God created us to be. He's counting on you. Let us pray. Oh God, we are at times reluctant servants. But shape us to your hands and feet. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to serve for your glory. For we are your church. We are the body of Christ. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.